Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Rick Kiley. For more information about Abundant Life Church, please visit www.abundantlifechurch.org. We are continuing a series. We are continuing a series called Helping the Hurting. And you can be seated. And in the way of of an introduction, I I wanna remind you of the previous lessons that we have had. We're talking about recovery, R-E-C-O-V-E-R-Y. And so in the first lesson, R stood for realize I'm not God. Has anybody come to that realization? The second lesson we talked about earnestly believe that God exists, that I matter to him, and he has the power to help me. And then in the third, we talked about C, consciously choose to commit all my life to Christ's care and to his control. And today, we're gonna talk about the O. We're gonna talk about openly, here's, I'll give you the fill in the blanks here. Openly examine and confess my my faults to myself to God and someone I trust. Examine, confess, and someone. Now, today we're gonna talk about, before we get to this examination, we're gonna talk about the power of guilt. The power of guilt. Guilt, first of all, destroys our confidence. You see, before we can go to God in in prayer or in petition, we have to believe that we're right with him. If we don't feel like we're right with him, it's difficult to have confidence that God is going to hear our prayers. And guilt is out to destroy your confidence. You're always worried that someone is gonna find out about your past. I don't know if you've noticed this, but in our culture recently, we have attacked people that can't defend themselves anymore. We slander the dead. It seems like every male figure that we thought was a great man has now been determined to have been gay. Did you notice that? Well, this guy was gay and that guy was gay and and he had this going on. The person is not there to defend themselves. The accusations can't be proven or people can make accusations against somebody that can't defend themselves. And so people are worried about what other people think about them, and they're concerned about anything that is legitimate in their past that could be discovered. But the truth is, all of us have skeletons in our closet. And if you dig deep enough, you're gonna find fault with every person you know, including yourself. This is a story, a a true story of what happened in England, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. He was the writer of the Sherlock's home novels. He sent uh, an email saying to seven or to five key leaders in England, all is found out about you, flee at once. 
Did you know that within 24 hours, all five of those key figures were gone? Because each of them knew that there was something in their past and they were afraid that they would be exposed. Proverbs 28 and 13 says, he that covereth his sin shall not prosper, but whosoever confesses and forsakes them shall have mercy. How many of us need mercy? We all need mercy, but in order to get mercy, we must not cover our sins. We must confess and forsake our sins. Now guilt damages, here's another blank that needs to be filled in, guilt damages relationships. Damages relationships. How about Cain? I'll just read you Genesis 4 and 9. The Lord said unto Cain, where is Abel your brother? He said, I know not. Am I my brother's keeper? Why did he talk that way? Because he felt guilty about killing his brother. You get an attitude along with guilt. Spirits come with guilt. And they attack your life. And you can get real cocky and real proud even though you are in sin. When this guilt overtakes us, and we tend to be overwhelmed in it, we do all kinds of crazy things. Do you know that some people, when they feel guilty and they feel down, you know what they do? They spend money they don't have. You know what would make me feel good? I feel so bad right now. I think what would make me feel good is to buy a new car. Let's just go buy a new car. And if the bank gives me the loan, that is the will of God. And so you go buy a car and you can't afford the payments. That adds to your guilt. (laughs) Now you're worse off and they take the car anyway. Or you decide one day, I'm going to buy a new wardrobe. You know, I was waiting to get back into my skinny clothes, but I guess I'm just going to be fat the rest of my life. So I'm going to the store and buying fat clothes. <laughs> Maybe even something that's bigger than what I am. And everybody will think I'm losing weight. <laughs> and that's how you deal with guilt. Isn't that a great plan? I'm going to be watching next week. And you can watch me too. Or we can get real hard with people. Real aggressive and almost mean-spirited toward people because we're not happy with us. You know, if I can't be happy with me, how can I be happy with you? So we either get real hard or we get real easy because we, we know we need mercy so we're gonna be real merciful. But really, you're just stuffing the guilt. You're you're packing it down. You're you're not dealing with it. Guilt keeps us stuck in the past. That's another blank on your sheet. Guilt keeps us stuck in the past. We live in our rearview mirrors rather than looking through our windshield. You ever notice people that are nervous about traffic? They're looking in their mirrors all the time. That person's too close. This person might cut me off. 
You need to, I'm not saying you shouldn't check your mirrors, but you need to live in the windshield and not in the rear view mirrors all the time. Who's behind me? Are they too close? If they hit you, you'll find out. (laughs) We need to keep moving forward. Guilt cannot change my past. And worry cannot change my future. I'll say that again. Guilt cannot change my past. And worry cannot change my future. So if I'm worried, I'm not trusting. I talked to you about this last week, but it's good to have a refresher. If I'm worried, I'm not trusting God. I'm looking only at my abilities and what I see as the abilities of others. And I'm worried. And guilt only adds to that. Now here, let's read James 5 and 16. Did you know that guilt can actually make you sick? It can make you sick. James 5 and 16, confess your faults one to another, pray one for another, that you may be Healing is mentioned with confessing of faults. So faults and guilt can actually break down your immune system in your physical body from spiritual activity. God wants us to be healthy and to prosper as our soul prospers. It starts on the inside. He wants us to be prosperous spiritually before we're prosperous physically or financially. That's more important. What is a man profited if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? He's a billionaire, but he's lost. His wealth is dispersed. You need to read about Lazarus and the rich man, but we don't have time for that right now. So how do I take the next step? Here's a suggestion for you. Take a personal moral inventory. That's a blank filled in there, moral inventory. This is what Psalm 139, 23 through 24 says. Search me, O God, and know my heart, try me and know my thoughts, see if there be any wicked way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. God, take a look at me, and expose in me, to me, so that I can do something about it, and you and I together can overcome my guilt and my faults. Remember we've talked about celebrate recovery, hurts, hangups, and habits? We all got them. We all have to deal with them. And it's good for you to go to God and say, God, and you say, well, I don't want to do that. I'm afraid of what I might see. It's there. You got to deal with it. It's affecting your mood. It's affecting your eating habits. You know, if, if you've got a lot of problems, you can eat yourself out of it. Just eat, 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 eat. See, we used to eat to live, now we live to eat. 
Oh, you didn't want to hear that. I didn't think I'd get an amen to that. Do you know most of what we eat, we eat because we like to taste? Guilty. I'm guilty. But we can overdo it and stuff it. So the suggestion is, why not take a pencil and a pad of paper and say, God, help me to be honest. This is you and me now, just you and me, God. What are the things that I need to overcome in my life? Why am I feeling guilty? Have I wronged somebody? Have they wronged me? Is there unforgiveness? Is there bitterness? Is there hatred? What is it, Lord, that you and I need to overcome together? We gotta get it on paper and we've gotta have a plan of attack. And we need to go after it together. And I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. I can. I can overcome. I can be victorious. Not in myself, but through Jesus Christ. I can be victorious. I don't have to be what I am. But I have to be honest. And you and I got to work on this. So the next step after that is to accept Responsibility for my faults. That's another blank being filled in. Accept responsibility for my faults. Proverbs 20 and 27. The spirit of the man is the candle of the Lord, searching all the inward parts of the belly. 1 John 1 and 8. If a man say that he has no sin, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. We have to be honest, we have to take an inventory. It's not gonna be pleasant, but we need to do it. We don't need a change in address. We don't need to divorce our spouse and find somebody else. We probably don't even need to switch jobs. What we need is a change in our attitude. One of the things that God is dealing with me about, and I'm just, I'm trying to bear my soul in these teachings, is that I need to be more trusting and I need to be more thankful. I need to trust God. I need to, to quit trying to fix things, control things, manipulate people. And there's three or four others in the congregation that feel the same as I do. Because it's only grieving me. I'm only getting frustrated by not being able to fix it, not being able to control it, not being able to manipulate it. I really think, you know, people say, oh, you're a pastor and you have a lot of influence and a lot of power. I got to tell you, there's a lot of times I don't feel like I have any influence or power. People do what they want to do. And usually they do it, and then they come and inform you of it. And they say, I'm so sorry. But it's too late. People make choices. And we need to let God be God. And we need to trust him. And then we need to be thankful for everything we have. How many of you woke up this morning feeling good? What a blessing. 
What a blessing it is. No headache, no flu, no cough, no sickness, no disease. Oh, we should be so thankful. So thankful. How many of you woke up this morning, if you're married, next to your spouse? We should be so thankful. How many of you woke up today and there was heat in the house and you're not living like an animal outdoors? We should be so thankful. Thankful. How many of you felt the presence of God today? There are literally billions of people that have never felt the presence of God. We should be so thankful. Thankful. So I have, I have to ask, item C, I have to ask God for forgiveness. That's where it starts. First John 1 and 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But we have to confess our sins to a he. Now this is Brother Kylie, this, this, this is the way I feel and I feel I need to say it. If we read James 5 and 16, it will say that we are to confess our faults one to another. We do not confess our sins one to another. You confess your sins to God, you confess your faults one to another. Why? Because people can help you with your faults, but only God can forgive your sins. So don't confess your sins one to another, confess your faults one to another. And then, with those faults, pray one for another that you may be healed. The reason I'm confessing my fault is because I'm asking for your help. I'm not asking for your sympathy. I'm asking you to pray with me to help me to overcome my fault. Now you gotta have a lot of trust. You, that's why you have to find someone that you can trust. But your sins, only God can forgive. And here's some really good news. God wants to forgive your sins. We don't need to beg. We don't need to bargain. We don't need to try and bribe God. He wants to forgive us. But we, we think that he's good. he wants to hold it over us. We have to do penance. We have to pay and, and we have to suffer for a while. That's what God wants. So that we'll learn our lesson. No, God wants us to humbly come before the throne and confess our sin and forsake our sin. Lord, I don't wanna do this ever again in the rest of my life. This needs to be something that needs to be removed from me, but I confess it's a sin and I forsake it. I abhor it, I hate it. I don't wanna be involved in it anymore. That's what God wants. Because then God can forgive you and God can help you. But to say, well, you know, I'm just gonna have to feel like I'm a bad person for six months and, and you know, that's, it's, I have to go to jail spiritually and God's gonna make me suffer a little bit 
He already did that on a cross for you. He just wants your confessing and your forsaking. We call that repentance. Lamentations chapter three, verse 21. This I recall to my mind, therefore I have hope. It, verse 22, it is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. Wow, I'm encouraged when I read something like that. His mercies are new every morning. We don't have a license to sin. Now, don't misunderstand what I'm saying. I'm not talking about cheap grace. I'm not. I'm not saying, well, you know, we all make mistakes, so go ahead and sin as much as you want and then just ask for forgiveness. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that when you make a mistake, un, what do they call it? Premeditated murder? I'm not talking about premeditated sin. I'm talking about we all make mistakes. And we're still trying to overcome our hurts, hangups, and what's the third thing? Habits. Okay? We're going to need mercy for that. And God's going to help us. But I'm not just saying, well, you know what, go and do that and ask God to forgive you and Every morning you can sleep with another woman or you can do another this or you can do another that and God doesn't care. I'm not saying that. I'm sorry I have to be so blunt with you, but I don't want to hear about cheap grace. You know, God really doesn't care. He does care. And we should not shame his name by the way that we live. We should praise his name. We should bring glory to his name. Isaiah 1 and 18, come now, let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. Wow, isn't that encouraging? 1 Corinthians 6, 9, know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. There they are. You think you can live an unrighteous life and God doesn't care? Listen to what he says. Be not deceived, neither fornicators or idolaters or adulterers, nor effeminate nor abusers of themselves with mankind. Don't be a thief or covetous or a drunkard or a reviler nor an extortioner. They shall shall not inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. I'm not looking for amens right now because we're not confessing our sins to one another but we're all in there. And such were some of you, but now you're washed. Now you're sanctified. Now you're justified by the name of the Lord and by the spirit of our God. Aren't you glad for the born again experience? Be thankful. Be thankful. And such were, it does not say such are. Such were some of you. So I need to, here's another thing I need to do. I need to admit my fault to another person. We talked about this earlier, James 5, 16. Confess your faults one to another. Pray for one another that you may be healed. 
I've already mentioned that, so I'm not gonna go there anymore. The roots of our guilt, the guilt that we're suffering from, are always relational. They're relational. One man said, I'm only as sick as my secrets. I'm only as sick as my secrets. Matthew 18, 15. If thy brother shall trespass against you, go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. And if he will hear thee, thou hast gained thy brother. Periodically, pastors have to remind you of the process of offense. And so I will take take advantage of this occasion. All of you are going to be offended. Jesus even said that to the disciples. All of you will be offended of me this night. And every person that I'm looking at inside here as I scan this audience is or has been offended or will be. Somebody's gonna say the wrong thing, somebody's gonna do the wrong thing, and they're gonna hurt you. Was it intentional? I don't know. Doesn't matter, you're still hurt, okay? Somebody slaps you in the face and say, oh, I wish I wouldn't have done that, doesn't matter, your face is still hurting. Your teeth are still shaking. So what do you do? Now this is, this is me. If I can forgive them and move on from it without confronting them, I will. I'll just let it go. Maybe I shouldn't. But if it bothers me, even a day or two, I think that's God telling me I need to confront it. I need to go to the person and I need to go with a spirit of humility. That's why it's never good to React impulsively, okay? Just wait, wait, calm down, let the hurt go away a little bit and see if you have to go and approach this person. Because when you do, you need to go with a spirit of humility. Can I get an amen to that? See, you can, you can, walk, you can walk up to your brother and say, now, <clears throat> you know, Brother O'Hearn, I, you probably didn't mean it. Never put a person in a corner because there's only one way out, and that's through you, okay? So don't put them in a corner. Say, you know what, Brother O'Hearn, the other day, I don't think you meant it, but you said something that bothered me, and I just, I just wanna clear it up between us because I value our friendship. And he could say, oh, Brother Kylie, I didn't mean it that way. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to offend you, and it's over. Now, if he, if he goes the other way, well, then we'll continue to have a problem and we'll go to step two. Okay? But, but don't put him in a corner. Let him know you got offended and try and work it out with your brother. That's a fulfillment of what we just read in Matthew chapter 18. Now, if I go to my brother and he's obstinate and hard and mean-spirited and I can't work it out, then... We need to take a witness to try and resolve this problem. And we have enough pastors in this church that you can find one. We would prefer that you don't get your buddies and go against that person. 
We would prefer that you would get one of the pastors and say, hey, I went to my brother as I was instructed in the scripture. I was not able to work out my problem. It probably even got worse. I need your help. We need your help. And one of the pastors will sit down with you and and help you work through that. And if one of the pastors and you and that party can't figure it out, and it's that grave and that serious, then we will bring it before the congregation. That's what the scripture says. You go to your brother, you do not go to your other brother. (laughs) You go to the offender. You don't get a little click together. Say, you know what, now, you know Brother Brother O'Hearn offended me the other day. That guy is, he's a rascal. He's done this before. I remember six weeks ago when he did this to me. You are a tailbearer. You are violating the scripture. You should have never done that. And, and Sister Process, if I ever do that to you, you say, oh, brother, I don't need to hear that. That's, you need, did you go and talk to him? Well, no. Well, you need to go and talk with him. And, and if he won't hear you, then you get, need to get a pastor involved. But I, if I'm not part of the solution, I refuse to become part of the problem. And this is between the two of you. So you gotta start there. If we did that, probably 95% of our offenses would be solved. But you know what we do? We talk to other people. We don't talk to the person with the problem. We stick our nose in the air and walk by them. And, And imagination leads to exaggeration because of a lack of communication. If you would just sit down and talk and try and work this thing through, nobody would feel any guilt and you would save your relationship. Pretty quiet in here. Maybe I hit a nerve. But there are offenses and this is how we deal with them. Matter of fact, if you read Matthew chapter five, I'll go a little deeper. If you read Matthew chapter five, it tells a story of a man bringing his gift to God. He brings his gift to the altar and he puts his gift down. I'm here to praise and worship you. But the Lord reminds him of this offense. And he says to the man, leave your gift at the altar. First, go and be reconciled to your brother. Then come back and offer your gift. Well, I, I pay my tithes, I'm involved in ministry, I'm doing all these great things for God, woo, 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 but I got bitterness and unforgiveness in my heart because this brother offended me. He says, stop all that. Go and get this right. Because an offense unchecked will defile many. It's how churches get split. A faction which started with one offense has blown into cliques and now you got a bunch of people involved in this. And so there's a Mason-Dixon line. You either sit on that side or you sit on that side. All because one person was offended and they didn't follow the proper procedures. I'm so glad today to tell you that I am not aware of a single offense 
so I can preach this and not feel guilty about it. I'm not aware of any. Now, there may be some, but I am not aware of any of what I'm talking about at this time. That's the perfect time to preach it. Because once it starts, it just makes it worse. But that's what you do when the offense comes. E, I need to accept God's forgiveness and I need to forgive myself. Ooh, there's a tough one. Forgive myself. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God according to Romans 3 and 23. I need to forgive others. I need to forgive myself. Now I'm gonna step out on some dangerous territory here. Some of you even need to forgive God. You think that God did you wrong. You think that God hasn't answered your prayers correctly or in a timely fashion. And you're mad at God. We need to forgive God. You're gonna find out that God had a very good reason for what he did. But right now, you don't see it. Let me see here. God forgives instantly. God forgives freely. God forgives completely. There is now therefore no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. God does not condemn, Satan does. Now God does convict. And what do I mean by conviction? I mean that God will speak to us about something that's wrong in our life or something that needs to be adjusted and ask us to do something and he'll convict us about it. He'll harass us about it until we do it. He's not condemning us, he's convicting us. He's prodding us. As many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. If God is a holy God, he wants us to be holy. So he's gonna give us some convictions. He's gonna ask us to do certain things. And he may not ask the same thing of every person. Now, I don't have time to go there, but there are certain things that are in the scripture that are for every one of us, but there are other things that are personal convictions. And God should convict us about what his word says and about what his spirit says to us individually. I'll give you an example, because you say, well, you're too vague, you're not specific. Many of you may go to movies, may go to the movie theater. I choose not to. I have a conviction about that. That's my conviction, okay? That's my conviction. I don't care if you go. As long as you're not doing anything that would violate the spirit of God that's in you. If it's something you and Jesus can watch together, then go to the movie theater. I'm not jealous of you. That's my conviction. But we need to listen to what God says to us through his spirit and what we see in his word. And we need to, we are, we are accountable to God for us. 
not for each other. Now the pastor, you are accountable. The, the, the scripture does say that the pastor will give an account of you. Okay? But it doesn't say that the saints will give an account of one another. Isn't that great? You should be happy about that. That's why you can work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Well, he goes to the movie theater, and I don't. Well, then, with that kind of an attitude, you might as well go. (laughs) You need to let God speak to you. We need to hear from God. We need to stop judging one another. Conviction comes from God. Condemnation comes from the enemy. So when we realize what God wants us to do, we need to humble ourselves before God. If my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, and turn, there's repentance, and turn from their wicked way, then, then will I hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and I will heal their life and their land. There it is. There it is. Let's stand together. Jesus, I pray today for myself and every member of this congregation that the things that we have felt guilty of, we would confess if they are sins to you. And we cry out, Lord, for your mercy, your mercy for our past and your grace to help us to overcome in our future. I pray today, Lord, if there are offenses in this house, that we would leave our gift at the altar and be reconciled to our brother or to our sister. Thank you for listening to this Abundant Life Church podcast. We pray it has strengthened your relationship with God and will continue to be a light unto your pathway to heaven. If you have any questions or comments regarding this podcast, please telephone our ministerial team at 262-965-5177 or email us at info at abundantlifechurch.org.